This Wellness Couch podcast proudly brought to you by the Nourish Me Organics Gut Health Gurus podcast hosted by food scientist Kribben Govinda. If you're fascinated by all things gut health, the microbiome, fermented foods, mental health, mitochondrial health and more, then search for the Nourish Me Organics Gut Health Gurus podcast on your favorite podcast app and get listening. The Real Food Real is proudly sponsored by Melrose Health. Founded in 1979, Melrose Health has been delivering improved health over three decades by developing natural, delicious and innovative health foods from the best natural and organic ingredients. Their healthy kitchen oils range has just launched and includes my favourites, liquid coconut oil, grass-fed ghee and avocado oil. Visit melrosehealth.com.au or check out at Melrose Health on Instagram to learn more. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness and optimising your health, metabolism and longevity. While you're tuning in to today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In episode 240 of The Real Food Real, we are joined by clinical nutritionist and natural skin care manufacturer, Jackie Evans. Jackie and I take a deep dive into skin care ingredients and teach you what ingredients are known endocrine disruptors, how to avoid greenwashing, and what you should really be adding to your skincare regime. You will also learn how the gut and skin are so interconnected, all about the skin microbiome, how to treat common skin conditions including acne and rosacea, and so much more. Hi, Jackie, and welcome to The Real Food Real. Hi, Steph. How are you? Very well, thank you. I'm so excited to introduce you to all of our listeners. Um, So you've obviously started practicing here at The Natural Nutritionist, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about your journey from a career point of view and where you've landed with your passion these days. Sure. Thanks, Steph. So I'm thrilled to be part of The Natural Nutritionist team, so thanks for having me on board. Um, Yeah, so my journey began a long time ago. I I'm unlike most people who end up studying nutrition um, in that it wasn't actually to help myself. I actually fell in love with the science of nutrition and naturopathy um, and studied it and then headed overseas. And it was when I was overseas, I worked uh, within a pharmacy setting and we had no drugs on site. We just used to go out the back and mix up herbals or vitamins to prescribe for the patients. 
but also there we actually manufactured skincare. So for the first time after all my years of study, my eyes were open to the fact that, yes, it's important what we put in our bodies in terms of the food, but it's also incredibly important about what we put on our bodies. And I'd never thought about that link about ingredients and how they can benefit health. So I spent two years working in the UK under this pharmacist, learning as much as I could about skincare and ingredients and fell in love at the time with the alchemy of blending and creating products. When I returned to Australia, I found myself working for a pathology laboratory. So this is a functional pathology laboratory, something that I've kind of come full circle now because now in clinic I'm using all the functional pathology testing again for our clients. Um, I managed the technical team there where I helped practitioners um, interpret reports and I specialised there in women's hormones and gut health. And in my 10 years there, and looking at thousands and thousands of reports, I just kept seeing so many results coming back from clients Australia-wide with hormone imbalance. Mm. And I was really alarmed by the amount of women that were walking around suffering with hormone imbalance, whether it be polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, infertility, stress, fatigue, poor libido, or even it presented on their skin. There were just such a big part of the population that were going through hormonal imbalance. And I probably was looking for something for a reason to start my own business and further my passion in skincare. And I kind of drew this link between one of the ingredients and hormonal imbalance, which is parabens, which I know we'll talk about a little later in the conversation. But I kind of clung on to that and leapt and left the pathology industry and started creating skincare full-time. And, you know, this is going back 10 years ago, Steph, when organic skincare didn't really exist. There weren't a lot of other brands making natural skincare. So my philosophy at the time was to not only have it clean in terms of the ingredients, but also that it could sit alongside mainstream products. I think things organic and natural 10 years ago screamed that they were natural and organic they had that look and feel about them that they were kind of really homemade and (laughs) um rough looking and I I wanted to create something that could be beautiful but also sit on the shelves of pharmacies or mainstream stores um something that people were really proud to have in their bathrooms but also knowing it was benefiting their health at the same time so that's 10 years ago when I launched and since then um it's been a big journey, lots of ups and downs. I now uh, sell online, Australia-wide. We manufacture um, here still in Melbourne. We're hands-on. We haven't outsourced anything and we wholesale worldwide. So we've got distributors overseas and here in Australia and um, still aligning to the philosophy from when we very first started, just choosing the best ingredients we can find. That's so good. Yeah, I can imagine how different the space was 10 years ago. It's similar in the food world, but, yeah, I think it's an amazing story because what we put on our skin is so important. And as you saw and we still see in clinic today, it's often um, something that's forgotten about. You know, a lot of people have cleaned up their diet. They know what they're doing with their movement. Um, 
but yet there's toxins that they're being exposed to, which impacts their gut and their hormones and manifests in some of those symptoms that you listed. So yeah, I already learned so much from you about the skin and I want to share that knowledge with everyone today. Let's sort of break down some of those key ingredients. You mentioned parabens and it's a sort of a household term now that at least in my world, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a conversation that we're having. Could you start with a bit of the science around what a paraben is and how it impacts our health? Yeah, absolutely. So parabens are a big one to be mindful of. Parabens are an ingredient used in up to 90% of all of our skincare and body care. They're used to preserve a product. So they're used Mm -hmm. to increase a shelf life. So when you've got something manufactured and it needs to sit on a shelf or in a factory for a long period of time, it needs to have a paraben or a paraben derivative to maintain its long shelf life. The issue with parabens is that they're known hormone disruptors. Mm -hmm. They are known to mimic estrogen in our body um, and this is obviously not beneficial to anyone that's already experiencing any hormonal um, disruption because they will just further contribute to that. And as I said, they're found in about 90% of skincare ingredients, so they're kind of everywhere in all of our products and we Mm. should be mindful to avoid them. Yeah, for sure. Um, it comes to mind a conversation you and I have had about the term paraben-free. Um, what? So if if a if a paraben is needed for a preservative, but a product is paraben-free, mm-hmm. what have they done to mm. still keep that shelf stable? Mm. So this is where it's really interesting, and this is where manufacturers are clever because mm. they know what consumers want. Yeah. So most manufacturers now know that people want to avoid parabens. So they've just created other ingredients to have that preservative action which actually have the same outcome that parabens do in terms of mimicking estrogen. So we need preservatives in any product that has any water component in it. So any cream, any lotion, any soap will have a water component and therefore we need a preservative to prevent any bacteria yeast overgrowth Um, fortunately there are plenty of natural preservatives available that we can actually tap into and use so it probably comes back to being aware and becoming familiar with ingredients and reading labels yeah i agree it's also not falling for that marketing term so you know as you mentioned they're very clever so that term paraben-free could be very appealing on a product that you're picking up off the shelf, but it's really important to understand that there could be an equivalent replacement. So paraben-free does not always mean it's the best choice. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just the marketing, exactly what you say. Cool. So what else? What else should we be looking for? Yes, so the other uh, ingredient we should be looking for uh, is the sodium lauryl sulfates. Mm -hmm or sodium laureth sulfates, or SLS, they can also be called. Uh, so these are in ingredients to create a product to foam. Mm. So we're used to foaming from our hand soap, from our shampoo, from our foaming cleansers. So it's a, it's a cleaning ingredient. Mm-hmm. It's actually also used um, to clean garage floors. It's used <laughs> as an engine degreaser. So it's a, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. So, mm-hmm. and this is the thing with so many ingredients is that you can actually find them um, in 
products like car cleaning products mm. because they're so powerful and they're used obviously in a much less uh, dose in our skincare, but they're still present. So the issue with the foaming action that we get from sodium laureth and sodium laurel sulfates is that when we're foaming and cleaning the skin that way, we're actually stripping the skin of its precious oils. And this is disrupting the beautiful bacteria mantle we have on our skin and creating an upset in our um, oil balance on the skin. So for most people, it can leave uh, the skin quite irritated and sensitive. A lot of people will complain that they've got sensitive skin. They might not have sensitive skin. They might just be reacting to something like sodium lauryl sulfate. Um, and very few people actually truly have sensitive skin. It's more often a reaction to ingredients. Interesting. The other issue with sodium lauryl sulfates and foaming cleansers on the skin um, is that they send the wrong message to the body about oil production. So typically people that love a foaming cleanser are typically people with oily skin or acne, and they love to use their cleanser to feel quite tight and dry and clean on the skin. The issue with this is, is the skin's then got a message that there's not enough oil because the oil's been stripped out of the skin. So the body sends a message and says, we need to produce more oil. And then you're just in this vicious cycle of actually producing more oil and more sebum, which is contributing to more congestion, mm. more block pores and more acne. So we really want to be sticking clear of, of sodium lauryl sulfates. Again, that's a really popular one for um, manufacturers <laughs> now to say sodium lauryl sulfate free or sulfate free. Mm. And, um, yeah, they can often disguise sodium lauryl sulfate by other names as well. Um, it's just like the sugar conversation, yeah? They put it under fructose or something that absolutely. doesn't look as obvious. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's just so many ways you can disguise yeah. uh, an ingredient. or And, you know, this industry is also quite largely unregulated as well. So you can see some manufacturers saying um, it's a coconut derivative, but the coconut derivative is actually creating a laurel sulfate. So we have to just be really mm. mindful of ingredients and what we're putting on, but we yeah. want to be steering clear of sodium laurel sulfate, sodium laurel sulfates, definitely. Yeah, I love that. I've been told, firstly, I have this obsession with skin treatment, so it's a little bit unhealthy. I'll, I need your advice <laughs> well, on, it on, on what skin treatment. Yeah, exactly. I need you to pick your brain on that. But um, over the years of seeing different practitioners I've always been told to not buy a foaming cleanser and I just follow the rules. I didn't actually understand why. So I think that's really interesting mm. with what you say about how it interferes with the body's messages. And I'm sure there are a lot of people listening that have that foaming cleanser that are now like looking for an alternative. Yes. So Jacqueline Evans Skincare. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've got an alternative. So we just use a cream cleanser. Yeah. So same job. I mean, you want a cleanser to clean the face. Yes. So we need a cleanser to remove makeup. But also throughout the day, our skin collects a lot of bacteria mm -hmm. from the pollution, mm -hmm. from handling our mobile phone, bacteria from our desk. You know, we, it collects a lot of bacteria and pollution um, and free radicals on the skin, mm -hmm. as well as if we're wearing makeup. So we want a cleanser just to remove all of that and give us back to a clean slate. So a cream cleanser can do that without the foaming, without sending the wrong message mm -hmm. about oil production, and without leaving the skin dry and tight and possibly 
a sensitive skin that's quite reactive and and red and reacts to a lot of products as well. Yeah, awesome. That's great advice. Very cool. Any other nasties we should be aware of? Uh, yes, other nasties. There is quite a large list, but I'll, I'll, li- <laughs> I'll limit it. Um, another one to be mindful of is when we see the word fragrance on our skincare. Mm-hmm. So, or body products. Now, I know uh, better than most people how much people are driven by smell. We want things to smell good before we use them. So, what manufacturers will do is add fragrance to a product to make it smell good. Sounds completely normal. However, when we see the word fragrance as an ingredient on our skincare, on our body products, that can be put on a put on a bottle as an ingredient, but yet contain up to about a thousand chemicals just oh, in that wow. one word alone. Really. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, we can just get away with calling it fragrance, oh. but it can be just a combination of... That's that's actually horrific. It is. Yeah. Um, and when I say chemicals, I mean toxins, things that are going to um, cause skin irritation. They can interfere with our um, lungs and, and breathing as well. And some people will recognise this if they're sensitive to perfumes yeah. and someone walks by with a strong perfume, they can be really quite offended and it can even make them quite nauseous mm. at the smell. Um, and, again, we've got an antidote to that. We've got beautiful essential oils yeah. that we can use to fragrance products. And not only will they fragrance it to give it that nice smell and aroma, but they can also come back and have a function on the body. So we can actually use these essential oils to have dual benefit they provide the good smell but also they have an action and a function on the skin which is double benefit it makes so much sense it makes a lot of sense i only use essential oils for perfume now but back in my 20s i used to be obsessed with all the cool brands yes um and it was like a thing to have like i can't even remember what brands i bought um it was like a thing to have that perfume and that scent and now i just think about how toxic that was <laughs> oh absolutely oh absolutely and of course we all like to smell nice but victor we, and rolf i liked it, mm. what one victor and rolf I victor loved. and rolf okay i, I remember liking dior jador i think it was. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was you, you smell them now and mm. they are so strong and yeah. they're just a combination of chemicals yeah yeah it's like going into a uh, price line i just get a headache <laughs> So do I. Is it the lights? Is it the fragrance? Yeah. I don't know what, but the combination. Everything. Oh, it's just it's an overdrive on the senses. Isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Awesome. There's some great, um, yeah, nasties. So it goes back to label reading like we speak about with food, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Label reading, getting to know ingredients, doing the research. We should be able to talk to our manufacturers as well and ask questions yeah. if we have questions on ingredients. And I think that's the benefit um, when people choose our skincare, we're such a small brand that our clients can actually ask us questions yeah. directly about what we're putting in their products, which is actually feeding their body. It's yeah, being absorbed and used. Yeah, I love that. Um, I was saying to you yesterday that I was stalking your Instagram stories about the new mask. Yes. The, is it clay? Pink clay. Pink clay. Yes. Oh, I cannot wait to get my hands on I that. know. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's so divine that. And it, a mask was something I wanted to develop for yeah. such a long time okay. and for convenience I wanted to develop a wet clay mask because it's easier just to pour a wet clay out of a tube and pop it on and it's quicker and it's easier. Oh, so it's already wet when it goes on. You don't mix it with water. Well, this that's what I wanted, okay. right? So that's okay. what I, that was my, like, dream. But I could not 
do it because clay's alive. It's an alive yeah. ingredient. It's full of enzymes. And to maximize the benefit of the clay on the skin, mm. it needs to be used dry and then added to water okay. as yep. soon as it's put onto the skin. Yep. So in order for me to actually formulate and create a wet mask, I had to use a lot of preservatives that I didn't want to use. Yeah. So I made a decision to keep it dry. Okay. And then people mix it with their favorite water or floral water yeah. or serum and then apply it directly to the skin. So you actually then get the ultimate benefit yeah. out of the clay. A bit more time consuming. Um, it's a little not bit messy. Really, though. Well, it's not really, but yeah. do you know what I love about it? I think the whole thing about a mask too is actually carving that 10 minutes out for yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, isn't that what yeah. a mask is I, for? I, you don't rush a mask. Yeah. No, you don't rush a mask. <laughs> I love a mask. Oh, my gosh. I'm obsessed. Well, I said. Mm. Sunday night, Steph, once you get your hands on this pink clay, mm -hmm. you can mix it up, pop it on. Grace can just be in another room with your husband. Yes. And you can just sit and wait for the magic to happen. Oh, I love it. So cool. I actually, the pink clay mask, when we launched it, we called it Sleep in a Jar because it renews the skin and freshens the skin, yeah. but it gives your skin that look that you've actually had a good night's sleep. Oh, my God. I need that. <laughs> Although Grace slept through the night last oh, night. Oh, there we go. But there's been many wake-ups. Um, awesome. So let's talk about the gut and the skin, yes. the skin microbiome. Mm -hmm. So share with us your your thoughts there. Yeah, so this is a pretty exciting area mm. in skincare at the moment. We've talked a lot, and I'm sure you've talked a lot on your podcast about the gut brain access mm -hmm. and how the gut and the brain talk to each other but what we now know is that the gut and the skin talk to each other as well and they converse with each other through the skin microbiome wow so just like our gut has this microbiome of this incredible dance of healthy and unhealthy bacteria mm -hmm. our skin actually also has this beautiful dance of um, bacteria as well and this goes back to what I was talking about with the foaming cleansers when they're stripping oils they're wreaking havoc with that beautiful um, bacteria on our skin as yeah. well and stripping the precious skin of, of its oils so this gut-skin access is a really um, interesting concept and we know how closely the gut and the skin are linked. We only have to think of something like um, a food allergy, which might present in the skin in the form of hives. Uh, the skin is actually a direct reflection of what's going on in the gut. So it kind of makes sense that if there's poor gut function on the inside, it's going to reflect as poor skin function on the outside so we can't treat one without actually treating the other um and this is this, this is another overarching philosophy of our brand that we talk about beauty begins on the inside yeah love that because we can do everything about um slathering on moisturizers and creams and toners and treatments and everything on the outside but unless we're actually addressing the inside we're only doing half a job. Yeah, or even less than. Less really. than perhaps, yeah. Yeah, I get a really weird rash on the inside of my left elbow when I get gluten. Okay. So I don't eat gluten, obviously, but um, whenever when, it, when I would go out and it would be traces or whatever in a food that I've asked was gluten-free. But mm -hmm. anyway, mm -hmm. always the same spot. Wow. I'm always like really raised and inflamed in this one spot. So I always think about what my poor gut's going through, mm. what's coming out on my skin. Yes, absolutely. Well, the kind yeah. of the body works from within out, doesn't it? So doesn't it? skin's kind of that last point of call. What an interesting side effect yeah, from being so gluten. and so random in terms of the location. I can feel it when it starts to come up mm -hmm. and I'm like, uh-oh, and then like within a couple of hours wow. it's like this lumpy offensive looking wow yeah. very interesting 
Um, but yeah, I love that. And obviously in clinic, you're starting to see a lot of clients that, are, that have a skin condition that's probably been treated topically for quite some time. Um, so yeah, what's your, what's your experience there? And is that what you're seeing that the, the gut is that missing piece of someone with a skin condition? Yeah. A hundred percent. It is, it is absolutely Creams on the top. Yeah. Yeah. The, the missing link and yeah. lots of, uh, my clients will, like you said, they'll be trying lots of skincare. They'll be addicted to skincare treatments, mm-hmm. trying so many things and not getting the answer. And a huge part of it, we can't underestimate how important it is to put clean, good plant-based ingredients on your skin. Mm-hmm. It is so important because they will be absorbed into the skin. We only have to think of a, a nicotine patch that's applied onto the skin to prevent those nicotine cravings. The nicotine is absorbed into our bloodstream. So ingredients in skincare will penetrate into our bloodstream the same way, um, but they will only go so far. We have to actually address what's happening in the gut. So if we talk about probiotics, for example, we now know and there's growing um, research to support the use of probiotic therapy in skin conditions such as acne, um, atopic eczema, and also psoriasis. Um, I see a lot of patients with rosacea and whilst again skincare is good at reducing some of the redness on the skin and making the skin feel more comfortable if we actually go in and look deeper we might see something underlying with the gut such mm. as small intestinal bacterial overgrowth so mm. in clinic we will use testing to understand what's going on to treat the skin so yeah like you say for most people it's not probably the first point of call they might um, come and see me in clinic with rosacea and I say hey I want to test your gut mm. Um, but we're really going in to understand what is going on and what is driving this skin and causing this inflammation um, in the skin. And most times it'll come back to what's happening in the gut. And once we treat the gut, we clean up the skincare and, and body care products, that's when we begin to see results. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to me that makes so much sense, but what I'm, I'm fearful of, of those that have had like a long-term condition like acne, for example, is that typical Roaccutane prescription, a really unfortunate irony is what that's doing to the gut. Mm. So, how are we ever going to solve the issue mm. if it's actually contributing to the imbalance of the gut mm. that could have caused the symptom in the first place? It's quite heartbreaking, really, for those that are on long term treatment like that. Really, heart- really yeah. heartbreaking. And this is the thing with skin is most people are so self conscious of their mm. skin, even 100%. if you have beautiful skin, um, which you do, Steph. <laughs> But even those with beautiful, glowing, clear skin are still conscious of their skin. Women are so obsessed with how their skin looks, let alone if you are sitting there with, um, you know, cystic acne or acne or rosacea that's burning. It is challenging and hard. And so, yes, absolutely a lot of um, people will go down uh, a medication pathway. And like you say, something like Roaccutane can be contributing to poor gut function. It can be really um potentially um challenging on the liver um and then when we challenge the liver that way we're interfering with how the liver can then metabolize our hormones Mm. and you know this is another whole discussion is that these skin conditions particularly acne not only are we looking at um an imbalance in the gut but we're we're probably also looking at a hormonal imbalance as well and so if there's a history of you know oral contraceptive pill or riaccutane then they become a big part of the, the, the puzzle as to understanding what's going on with the hormones as well. 
Yeah, for sure. Mm. So gut testing and then I imagine salivary hormone testing can be really helpful at some stage. Absolutely. So we really want to understand what's happening with the sex hormones. Mm. We want to know what's happening with the estrogen and progesterone. Uh, I'm talking about females now, but it pertains to males as well. So estrogen and progesterone need to work together in this beautiful relationship Um, and if one's higher than the other where the other shouldn't be it can cause an imbalance so testing can actually show us if there's an obvious estrogen dominance or it might show us that there's actually a progesterone deficiency Um, and then we also look at some of the more um, typically known as male hormones but they're female hormones as well the testosterone and DHEA Mm which are androgens, which can also contribute to um, hormonal imbalance and skin conditions like acne as well. So just understanding what's happening with those hormones actually gives us a lot of information as to what's happening with the liver, particularly if there is that history of taking some of those medications like Roaccutane or oral contraceptive pill. Um, And then also can give us some information about the gut, but we need to be looking at the gut and understanding is there any bacterial overgrowth Is there any parasite overgrowth? Is there any leaky gut? Because all these things are associated with skin conditions. Yeah, 100%. I love that. So exciting, especially I imagine those listening that haven't sort of done that dive into what's going on internally, like that's huge for where they can get the benefit long-term and improve some of those symptoms. Like the skin is just expressing what's going on within. So we've really got to understand that it's all, it has to be root cause driven to come up with a solution. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Just thinking on the spot, do you benefit from putting probiotics on the skin? You can, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you can make up a mask at home yeah. using a really good quality um, probiotic yogurt or um, you could use a coconut kefir or something like yep. that and put that directly onto the skin. Cool. So I make one up with yogurt and I put manuka honey in there because manuka is really um, highly antibacterial. So those are for really short-term use because you need to make it and use it and then discard it. You can't sort of keep it in the fridge and reuse it because it would just um, have the potential to go off. Absolutely. and But there are ingredients that we use in skincare that have a probiotic or a prebiotic function. So I use green tea extract in one of our products, which is for oily skin. And green tea, when it's applied to the skin, has a pre and probiotic function yeah awesome so it's it's benefiting that beautiful skin microbiome that we talked about earlier and there's actually because there's not a lot of research on herbal skincare ingredients and outcome but green tea is one that's actually pretty been pretty well researched Mm. in terms of um, actually feeding the skin pre and probiotics I'm glad you said that because then I was thinking how do we feed the skin is it from is it from the prebiotics that we consume via our food but there's also ingredients. That's so incredible. I, I learned something new again today. It's pretty awesome, yeah. isn't it? I know. Well, we when you apply, we have to think of our beauty products as food for the skin because yeah. that's exactly what they are. They're yeah. absorbed. They're utilized in the body. The, they're broken down to nutrients in the body. They go into our bloodstream. Our body plays with them. So use good products and use ingredients that actually have a function. So we can play with ingredients like green tea to get that beautiful probiotic action on the skin that's so good i love that so exciting i'm going to um pick your brain on a few of my little 
skin obsessions yes, <laughs> at yes, a later stage yeah, and report absolutely. back. Um, but I've really loved chatting with you today. So um, yeah, let, let us know where our clients or our listeners can find out more about you, both with your skincare range and for appointments. Yes, absolutely. So I'm now seeing uh, clients at the Natural Nutritionist here in Sandringham in Victoria. And I can also see you virtually if you're not based in Melbourne. So that's easy. So you can find me at the Natural Nutritionist and you can look me up uh, on the internet. Is it called the internet? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the oh, www. The www <laughs> at JacquelineEvans.com.au and I'm on Instagram at skincare and I post a lot of tips and tricks about um, getting the most out of your skincare and sort of about understanding and empowering and educating you about what's happening on the insides to understand the outsides. Love it. So cool. I'll pop some links in the show notes as always. And I'm sure we'll have you back on the show very soon. I want to learn more about the liver. So let's do that. Sounds good. Thanks, Steph. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Real. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.